Have you ever wondered which foods truly impact your child's behavior? Or maybe you did not know that what you feed your child can actually change their brain chemistry and therefore change your child's behavior, judgment, and understanding. But how do you know what food that is? And how do you know if you or your child have had too much? Melissa Dealey is with us today, and she will explain that. She explains the ins and outs of how food impacts you and your kids. She even has a three-week strategy for clearing your child's system of toxins, and in doing so, you will know if your child is dealing with food sensitivities. Listen in for amazing content today to heal your gut. Now, I know you're used to shorter episodes, but this information is so worth your time. She shares so much practical information that you will want to take notes. So push pause again and get your notebook and pen or your digital note taker, whatever it is you need, and get ready. Let's dig in. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get kids to listen better and build strong family connection, feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and to help your children build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so you can become the parent you want to be. Hey friends, before we dig into this meaty information from Melissa, I want to remind you of two things. One, go to my show notes and join my free Facebook community and we can help one another and support one another as we become the parents we want to be. And two, as you listen to this podcast, you no doubt have learned so many things about communicating with your child differently than you thought. And if you are ready for a coaching program that is designed to address your needs, I have Parents Playground for teaching their speech, language, behavior, overall communication. And maybe you want to give me your idea of which name goes best. The concepts remain the same no matter what the name is. As our children get better at communicating, their behavior changes. So let's join Parents Playground where we can teach them better communication skills And we can go at it from a playful perspective, which means we, yeah, try new things and we make mistakes and it is okay because we are practicing and there's no judgment. We are just learning as we go. And it's great. So if you're ready to jump in or if you have questions about how it works, email me at hello at the language of play dot com. 
And you all know that I love a celebration. I just think that it is so important to be celebrating along the way the milestones, be it big or be it small, because with you, with your children, it adds joy to life, doesn't it? So now we have a celebration. The Language of Play has just received its 100th review. Hoot hoot, time to celebrate. So Grace Tran, if you hear me, you have won a surprise. And that surprise is going to be a 30-minute power coaching session. Next time, I will read her review on this show because today we do have a longer than normal episode. So let's get started. Thank you for continuing with me. And for this second day, I would like to read your bio again for the people that start new. But I want to first say this is a continued episode from the last episode where Melissa Daly and I were talking about food and how food impacts our bodies and what it is that is good for us to eat and not good for us to eat, and especially in relation to sugar. So Melissa is an integrative mind-body health practitioner. She's also trained in NLP, timeline therapy, and a hypnotherapy teacher. She's dedicated to helping her clients discover the root cause of their health issue and truly heal while detoxing their physical, mental, and emotional bodies. Melissa's business is 100% virtual, and she works with the entire English-speaking world. Melissa also uses the power of functional medicine lab tests mailed to your home while offering a very high level of support to ensure her client's success as we navigate the path um, bringing the bodies back into balance while creating a new lifestyle habits to ensure lasting results. Melissa is an international speaker three-time best-selling author, and has been named to the 2022 Korea Global Award List and the winner of the Alignable 2023 and 2022 Local Business Person of the Year Award for Whistler. She's also the recipient of the 2022 and 2021 Quality Care Award by Businesses from the Heart. Melissa is the host of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast, a podcast offering practical education around health, which ranks in the top 5% of global podcasts by Listen Notes in the first three months of her launching. When not serving her clients, Melissa can be found on her paddleboard, backcountry hiking, and camping with her daughters, downhill or cross country skiing, or planning her next trip for her girl guide unit, or working on her passion project, Girls Matter, helping keep girls in school in Uganda, breaking the poverty cycle, or the poverty cycle, one girl, one family, one village at a time. So, Melissa, thank you for being willing to continue with me today. I love your bio. I love how many things you're doing for people and how you are really impacting how people see health and how people take care of themselves and how, you know, you really change the world when you change a person that way. Because what I see when people get really healthy, their brains work better. They think better. They parent better. They behave better. They listen better. When our bodies are well, our brains are better. <laughs> so, last, yeah, yeah. So last episode, we talked about food and we started talking on behavior and then we put the bulk of it and what kind of proteins and what kind of carbohydrates. And we really teased apart some of those sugar treats and what that really means. Now, I would like to talk more about specifically the brain's functioning with the foods and 
and what behaviors go with it and how can you tell if it's a toxin and like yeah what do you think <laughs> so i would love to talk a little bit about gluten here actually oh sure because gluten is a food that we very often eat three times a day and we get it in many different places from different breads and cookies and uh, crackers, et cetera, et cetera, pastas, but it can also be in toothpaste because it's a thickener. It can be, yeah, it toothpaste. can be, ice cream. yep. It can be an ice cream. So, and what happens is we all have different degrees of sensitivity to it, right? We know there are people that are gluten intolerant and they eat a gluten, uh, you know, a gluten-free diet, et cetera. Gluten is actually inflammatory to every single human being, as is dairy, actually. We're the only mammal that eats another mammal's, you know, milk and products, right? And Interesting. It, it's inflammatory to the human body. And the more inflamed we are, the more at risk we are of triggering our genes to turn on disease. So we don't want to be going around in this highly inflamed state. If the dairy industry and the bread industry had their way, though, we would be eating both three times a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Think about how easy that is to do. You start your day, you give your child some cereal with milk for breakfast, right? And then they go to school with a sandwich and maybe there's a slice of cheese and some butter on the sandwich. And then at dinner time, maybe there's a glass of milk and there might be a bread roll or there might be crackers, et cetera, et cetera. We do tend to overindulge in both gluten and dairy. And gluten can actually cause learning disorders, behavioral issues, neurological issues, anxiety, autoimmune disorders, and people just wow. aren't aware of that, right? And so that's why I want to share this is just what happens is these foods can stimulate neurotransmitters and they're excitatory. And then can you explain it, what that means? So what that so neurotransmitters are we have lots of neurotransmitters in our body, serotonin, dopamine, GABA, they're all examples of them, right? And what they do. So though, so serotonin and dopamine are two very common ones. We have lots. I'm not going to get into all of them or we'll stay on that just for the entire episode. <laughs> but just as an example, serotonin and dopamine are ones that probably everybody's heard of. Serotonin is your um, happiness, your feel good neurotransmitter and dopamine is your motivation um, neurotransmitter, right? And they're made in our gut. If our gut is out of balance, then they're not necessarily made in our gut to the degree that we need them in order to feel good and feel motivated and feel good about life. And then what can happen is we can go to the doctor and say, we're feeling depressed or we're feeling anxious. And the doctor will give a drug to help the body produce more, except that what we really should be doing is looking at why is the body not making it properly What's going on inside the gut? What are those imbalances and how do we resolve that, right? Mm -hmm. What happens when we're eating gluten, which can form into glutamate in the body, is they stimulate neurotransmitters and they excite them. And so we can get all hopped up, right? You know, that anxious feeling. And then for children, it can make you feel like it's not them in their body and they're feeling a little bit out of control. And then that can cause them to act in a way that isn't the best version of themselves and they don't know why right? And it's literally the influence of gluten and then gliadin, which is a protein uh, in gluten. And gliadin has become in gluten since we messed with the seeds in order to feed more people, right? Again, you mean like the GMO? Yes. So we humans tried to create a more drought resistant crop 
And so we changed the seeds in the process of creating a more drought resistant crop. So we would have bigger crops to feed more people. And in that process, we actually changed the seed and that changes the outcome. So if you go to Europe, the bread tastes very different to the bread in North America because the seed is very different. And our North American seed produces now something called gliadin, which is a protein in, in the gluten. And this is what people can struggle to process in our body. It can trigger headaches, inflammation, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, even the beginning phases of dementia and Alzheimer's. It can trigger MS and other neurological issues, lupus, autoimmune issues, skin rashes, mood issues, tantrums, tics in children, ADD, and ADHD. Like all of that from overeating, right? Gluten. So cutting back on that is something that parents can do if they're wondering, hmm, my child's behavior is not age appropriate. There's more temper tantrums than there should be. They're acting up at school and getting in trouble at school. What's going on, right? If they remove dairy and gluten and sugar, those three things from their child's diet for three weeks, they will know a huge difference, a huge difference. And they would know. And they would know, right? In three weeks. They would know. And then does that mean they can't ever have them again? No, it doesn't because this isn't anaphylactic and those foods are around a lot. But it comes back to that 2080 rule I talked about in the last episode that now we're going to start having it in moderation. Do they not need to have any dairy at all? Maybe they don't, right? Maybe they could do almond milk. Maybe, you know, there's different ways that they can be um, replacing the dairy with non-dairy product because there's a lot out there now. Is goat considered dairy? It is, but people tend to have less sensitivity to goat or sheep than they do to cow dairy. Because a cow has four stomachs, right? A cow can process this (laughs) in a very different way to us. We only have one stomach. And also the enzymes that the cow is using to process it are different. Whereas the enzymes for sheep and dairy, I mean, sheep and uh, goat are more similar to human enzymes. And so that's why we actually have less sensitivity to sheep and goat. However, I do see when I run the lab test, because I can run a lab test of 190 different foods to determine what are the sensitivities for people. So then you just know, you don't have to do any food diary, you don't have to write everything down, because it's hard to do that, right? Mm -hmm. You just do a little blood sample, you prick your finger, you drop the blood on a card, you send it away to the lab, and I get the results. And I do see sometimes that People have a very high intolerance to all of the cow dairy, but they still have an intolerance to sheep and goat. Again, then they know, and then they can make different choices for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what this is all about, is empowering people to have the information to be able to make better choices. That's really, really helpful. That sounds so simple. Why is that not done in a doctor's office? (laughs) I mean, it seems so incredibly simple. Tell me what... It is very incredibly simple, and this is what I ended up doing for my own children. So my older daughter had issues with sugar and yeast, and in fact, it was impacting her behavior, her ability to focus in the classroom, even her handwriting. At the end of the school year, her teacher said to me, you know, her handwriting's regressed during this year, as has her ability to focus, and she was in grade two. And I didn't know what I know today, and I kind of was helping her pack up her backpack, and I was like, how do I support her handwriting? Do I make her do lots of handwriting practice over the summer? And I asked the teacher, like, how do I support this? And the teacher said, you know, it could be food. 
And I, I was like, what? How does food impact the handwriting, right? And the focus. And she said, yeah, there could be some food sensitivities going on. You might want to have it checked out. And I already had a naturopathic doctor. So I wrote to her and I asked and she said, yeah, let's do her food sensitivity test and turned out yeast and sugar. Removed them. She was a different child. All of the daily meltdowns that I thought were just her normal behavior and she was my oldest child, so I didn't have any other, you know, bearing on it, went away. And she used to cry and go, I don't know why I'm crying, mommy, because she was out of control. She didn't know what was going on and it would just reduce her to tears. All of that stopped literally within, I would say, even two weeks of removing the yeast and the sugar. Not easy to do, but we did it, right? And then she felt better. My other daughter, when she got into grade one, at the end of grade one, she was putting her head down on her desk every day after lunch. And the teacher told me this and I went, okay. And she had, she'd been complaining of tummy aches and she didn't want to go on play dates. She didn't want to play soccer, which was her true love. And she was a highly social kid, didn't want to do anything anymore. The tummy always hurt. So I took her to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, all little girls get tummy aches. She'll grow out of it. And I'm like, she's miserable. How long does that take? Oh, we don't know. We don't know. And I'm like, well, can't you run some tests to do something? Oh, it could be anything. We'll never get to the bottom of it. So I went away. That happens. I went away feeling, you know, very disgruntled about the lack of service there, right? Mm -hmm. And I wrote to the naturopath again. And I said, hey, this is what's going on with my other daughter. Could it be food? Can you help me? And she said, yeah, let's run that food sensitivity test again. And so we did. And for her, it was gluten and dairy. And what was happening is because her body couldn't process the casein, which is a protein in the dairy, it was narrowing her intestinal wall because it wasn't being processed and leaving her body. It was just building up and thickening her intestinal wall and therefore narrowing that channel. And so over the course of her seven years, that got narrower and narrower and narrower until food processing through it became painful. So that's why she always had tummy aches. So we remove the dairy, give the body a break, and the body can start to do what it needs to do and it can start healing and we remove the gluten. Um, she felt so much better within two weeks. She was back to soccer, friend dates, could pay attention at school all day long, right? So all of this was food related. And the reality was she was about six when that happened because it was grade one. She didn't grow out of that until she was 12. How could I have put up with seeing her or allowed her to be so miserable for six years? Right. And who knows if she would have grown out of it if the well, exactly. continued um, assault was happening on a body exactly. that was sensitive to it. She wouldn't have. And so to this day, she's 21 now. To this day, she doesn't have a lot of dairy and she still chooses gluten-free, you know, some of the time, right? Because she right. knows she can't do it three times a day, seven days a week, right? Right. And so she's careful. So yes, she grew out of it in the sense that we didn't have to buy only gluten-free for her anymore, mm -hmm. but she's careful. And she now knows the signals from her body if she's had too much of one or the other and she needs to cut back. And that's the beautiful thing about all of this is when we start to understand this, we start to connect with our body, we start to understand the causes, then we can recognize, okay, this makes me feel like this. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I can choose, I'm okay feeling like that on Saturday if I eat pizza on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not okay feeling like that on Monday morning when I have a test at school if I have pizza on Sunday night, right? Sure. And it does take a little bit more effort. I had to make separate meals for her to the rest of the family for each of the daughters, right? And then I chose I didn't want to eat 
red meat anymore. The naturopath suggested for me to stop eating red meat for my own health issues. So now I'm making all of these different meals and the naturopath actually suggested I stop all animal protein. And then that was too many meals to make. Sure. Right. So I decided I'm just not going to have the red meat. That's the bigger culprit. I'm still going to do fish. I'm still going to do chicken. Then there are a lot of meals we can do together as a family. But what I would start doing was I would batch cook. Right. So we would, ne- we were never really eating all the same thing on the same night, but I'd make, you know, something on the weekend, couple meals on the weekend, and there would be leftovers and I could then allocate them through the week. So every night I wasn't making four different meals. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that sounds like a lot of organization, but the organization was, was key. A lot of organization. It, the organization was key. It was yeah, meal planning and then batch cooking and then, you know, putting some of it away in the freezer to have for other times. And we did that probably, I would say, for a solid year for both girls to really heal their guts and get back on track. And then after that, it became a whole lot easier. And we, I changed the way I ate. My husband changed the way he ate as a result of it. So as a family, we were eating in a more healthy way as well. So I just want people to be aware that gluten can very often be the problem with behaviors and we get so much of it. And so just remove gluten and remove dairy. Those two are the biggest culprits and see what happens. Um, what people don't realize is a lot of people know MSG, right? And they know that that's not good for them and they don't want MSG in their Chinese food or wherever. Mm-hmm. But glutamate actually is the same as MSG. And gluten, as the body processes it, goes through a processing and becomes glutamate. And so if your body can't handle MSG, it can't handle glutamate either. And it is a problem and triggers all of those symptoms that I mentioned earlier. It also wipes out your natural anti-anxiety neurotransmitters. So that leads an anxious child or adult to having higher levels of stress, and it can throw off hormones in the body and the immune system. So it's fascinating how the body is all interconnected in this way, that they're in just in gluten, we have the excitatory neurotransmitters, which hype us up, and it wipes out our natural anti-anxiety neurotransmitters, which would naturally calm us. And so we get stuck in that hyped up state Wow! from our food and from a food that industry tells us is good for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're all different. So it impacts all of us to various degrees. You know, my older daughter could handle gluten. My younger daughter couldn't. My younger daughter can handle sugar. My older daughter couldn't. I'm very sensitive to caffeine. I've never drunk a cup of coffee in my life. I don't even like the smell of it because it's my body telling me don't drink it because you can't handle it. Right. Whereas I'm more sensitive. I'm less sensitive. I should say to sugar. I just know that about me. And as you start to tune into foods and how they make you feel, you will start to understand what you're sensitive to. You learned you're sensitive to food coloring. I I did. And honestly, I am like 100% on board with what it is that you're saying and, and agree with this. Because as you know, I had my own health crisis some years ago. And what I learned was that I needed to increase my red meats mm-hmm. and take away gluten and sugar. And I did that for a length of time where like my diet was really trimmed back in different ways. Um, but it did cause me to heal my stomach. And yes. then when my stomach was healed, which it is now, I can have ice cream and cake for a birthday. I just take a smaller piece 
Yeah. And then I know that, okay, so I had that. So now I'm going to also flush my body with a big glass of water, maybe two or three. And then, um, you know, before I sleep sometime and, and then I'm, I probably will feel maybe a little bit the next day, but not necessarily, but then I don't do anything for sugar the next day. You know, Mm -hmm. so I give myself this time. So I find it interesting because you and I haven't talked specifically about this before. And you're saying some of the process that I had to go through in order to regain my health. Exactly. And anybody who's trying to regain their health, the food you eat is a piece of it. It's a huge piece of it. A huge piece of it. And then also detoxing the body is another huge piece of it, which I know you had to do that as well. I did. And, then, and another piece of it is understanding where the body is deficient, right? Mm-hmm. And so deficiencies in minerals and vitamins. And the, t- in today's world, our children are being born deficient in minerals and vitamins because mom's deficient during pregnancy. And they're being born toxic because mom is toxic, which is normal. We live in a toxic world. However, it's too much for our liver and our kidneys to be dealing with. And when they test the placenta of newborn babies, they're finding toxins in them. And so these are also things that we can be addressing in our health journey for both children and adults. If children have heavy metal toxins in their little bodies, that can be causing learning issues. Mm -hmm. That can be one of the very common triggers for ADD, ADHD, right? And they're very often neurotoxins. So we don't want those heavy metal toxins running around in our brain, causing havoc with the brain. Look at all the Alzheimer's, dementia, MS, et cetera, we have, right? So we want to be looking at that. And again, we can run lab tests. It's just a clipping of hair from the nape of the neck. And you send that in and then you can find out what's in your hair that's showing up in terms of heavy metal toxins from aluminum to mercury, cadmium, nickel, arsenic, lead. We can help the body get that out if that's what we need to do. When it comes back to deficiencies, things like um, if we're deficient in potassium, that can result in allergies, in skin issues, in constipation, in fatigue. If we have a calcium excess, it's a good indication of a copper toxicity. And then a copper toxicity can result in anxiety, in a racing mind. It's very often present in those with ADD and ADHD. It can trigger or be present in asthma as well as allergies and mood-based disorders, right? And then we also can see low zinc can cause a weakened gut lining, and it can be a reason for bedwetting. If children are a little bit older and they should have already been able to sleep through the night, that can be a reason. So understanding what our mineral levels and our vitamin levels are is absolutely key as well. And I want to add one more thing in regards to ADD and ADHD, because it's just so common, right? Mm -hmm. Kids are getting diagnosis and then they're immediately being put on a drug and that's what the drug companies want really because if they just want every single person to be on a drug for every day for the rest of their life because that's how they make money and so they helped actually create the assessment tool that the therapists use to determine if your child has ADD or ADHD and quite frankly when I look at that assessment tool most of it I think it's like there's nine things on it and if you have six of the nine of them they say you have ADD or ADHD normal childhood behaviors, mm-hmm. things like, I forgot to do my homework. I don't look you in the eye when you're talking to me. Um, I don't, you know, pay attention and follow through exactly on the structure, on the instructions that were given to me. The child in any given moment, that's normal childhood behavior, right? Not a reason to just, oh, got to put you on a drug. And there's been a lot of research that's come out lately that ADD and ADHD can be treated with 
omega-3s. It's very often a deficiency in omega-3 that is causing the ADD, the ADHD, and perhaps copper in excess and perhaps metal toxicity, right? But let's look at all of these things on the natural side where we can help that child rebalance their body. And in the research, it showed that over a 12-month period, kids that were put on Ritalin as one group and kids that were just given omega-3s as the other group, that when assessed by their teachers and their parents, the outcomes were equally as effective with the omega-3 and no negative side effect. Wow. I would much rather be giving my child omega-3s, which their body needs anyway, and which we know 80% of the population is deficient in because it's hard to get them. And the best source is wild fatty fish. How often are your children eating wild fatty fish, sardines, anchovies, wild salmon, catfish, rockfish, oysters? They're not eating it. So they're deficient. Right. What you're saying sounds like it's so good for the parents to know about themselves because some of us look at that list and think, oh, well, that's me. And when it is us, it's also our children, you know, like because they're eating the same as us. So it could be from eating. It could also be genetic. You know, there's this, you don't know which one comes first. This information is so valuable, both for a parent to look at themselves and for a parent to look at their child. Yes. Thank you. I agree 100%. And that's why I said, I just want this information to get out there because you asked earlier, why doesn't your doctor test? When this sounds so easy, why doesn't your doctor test? Why do they just tell you all little girls will grow out of it? Why aren't they giving you these answers? The unfortunate thing is, is they are not trained in nutrition in medical school. You know, they do years and years and years of training, but they get maybe one to two courses in nutrition, they don't dive into it the way we do on the holistic side. They don't dive into the lifestyle factors the way we do. And so they just don't know. I don't know how to perform surgery on someone. I have my lane. I know what I know. They know what they know. But anytime you feel like, "Mm, I want a second opinion, go get that second opinion. Listen to your gut and seek out another source. And the lab tests I talk about are available only on the holistic side. Sure. You mentioned that doctors might have one or two courses. I live in a very medical town, so I've got lots of friends that are doctors, and I've asked multiple, you know, how many courses have you had on nutrition? And I've heard a range, but the range is very small, which is, oh, we've never talked about nutrition to one or two hours, and I've never heard of somebody having a whole course. I've only heard of somebody having a full day. So one person said a full day, but one day. And then, um, yeah, so that was the range. One full day and down to one hour or nothing. Right. So, yeah, that was a big, big eye-opener to me when I was trying to become well and figure out what it is that I needed to do in my body. Yeah, because it's never just one thing, right? But when we look at all the lifestyle factors... So what I'm looking at when I work with people is I'm looking at nutrition, I'm looking at sleep, I'm looking at exercise, I'm looking at stress, I'm looking at toxicities, I'm looking at those mineral and vitamin deficiencies and therefore supplements, and I'm looking at mindset because that's what it takes for someone to heal, right? First of all, you have to believe you can heal in order for the body to heal. Then we have to get the body out of the chronic fight or flight state and into the rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system because the body doesn't heal in a stressed out state right? And then we have to start removing the toxicities. So we have room to then get the supplements and the nutrition that the body truly needs. It can get to the cells so that the body can heal. And the body doesn't heal all just in 
one thing. It doesn't go, oh, I'm just going to heal your heart, right? And yet our medical industry will only look at one aspect at a time. Whereas- Because that's their training. (laughs) That's their training, exactly. Whereas when we're looking at the holistic side, we're looking at the whole body and it is whole body healing and it's incredibly powerful. And I love- you know, sharing this information with my clients. And it's why I have the podcast to give people the information and the education so that you can be empowered in your health. Because honestly, when I had my world turn upside down, I was dumped on my ass out of the corporate world. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was guided into health coaching. And when I got into that first health coaching course, I just went, oh my God, why don't I know this about my own body? I'm in my forties and I don't know this. And then I went, Oh, because I've been so busy building my career and being a mom and being a wife, et cetera, et cetera. What if I could take this information and share it with others? Because chronic illness does not have to be a life sentence. We can remove the toxicities. We can rebalance the body and the body will heal. And our children do not need to suffer in school with labels and drugs right off the bat. We need to look at the underlying causes. What are those deficiencies? What are the toxicities? And address all of that first. I am so glad you're here today. This is why I wanted you on. This is so good. And so if our listeners, my listeners want to contact you, um, I will have your website in the show notes, your links. Obviously, this isn't something that I have the skills to teach, but I sure have learned a lot from you. And it is so important because the the idea of our food and our intake, our exposures, and how it is that we can clean up our bodies, detox, and heal makes such a difference in the performance of our kids in school, like you say. It makes a difference in our families and how it is that we feel connected to our kids or they feel connected to us. It makes a difference in how well we communicate. It makes a difference in how well they can listen. All of those things are are huge. And um, I'm so, so thankful that you've taken so much time out today to be with us. And it's absolutely my pleasure. Like I said, I just want people to know so they can start to make more informed choices. We don't yeah. know what we don't know, right? So there's no sense beating ourselves up for what we did before. I made mistakes before too. And I didn't change everything overnight either. But when you do it step by step, it can be done. You can create new habits. And guess what? When you start eating the way your body wants to be fed, you do feel better. And you have all of those benefits you've just mentioned, Dina Lynn. And that just motivates you to keep going. Because I love to ask people, just how good are you willing to allow yourself to feel? Mm, What a great question. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much. In the show notes, I will have your contact information and I will have um, also a link to when you interviewed me about coming out of my chronic illness, which was Lyme disease, late stage Lyme disease. So I'll have that in the show notes. Yes, um, that was episode 92 of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. So I do invite people to come back and listen to that episode. It was a fabulous interview. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it was so fun. And I have learned a tremendous amount from you, not just today, but in in episodes past on your show. I encourage all of you to go listen to Melissa's podcast and learn about your health, your kids' health, and do what you can to make it better. Is there any other last minute thing you want to add? Otherwise, we'll 
wrap it up. I would just love to let people know that I do actually offer a complimentary consult. And so they can find that on my website. It just says book now um, or contact. So you can, the contact will uh, have you email me. The book now will have you book in for a complimentary consult, just so I can get to understand what it is that you're looking to address or what you have concerns about. We can meet one-to-one and decide if, you know, we're a good team to work together. And if I'm not the right person for you, I have a myriad of other healers all around me that I will refer you to because I don't do everything. I, as I said earlier, I have my lane, but I work with a lot of people with children and I have a lot of other practitioners that I can refer you to if I'm not the right one to help resolve whatever it is going on for your child. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.